and welcome to today's episode of the Scotland Rugby League podcast, brought to you by McEwen's. I'm your host, James Parsons, and today I'm going to be joined by head physiotherapist and Hulk AR physio, Trent Bowden, as we discuss his journey in rugby league and how professional teams have had to adapt during COVID-19. Thank you for coming on. How have you been and have you been enjoying having rugby back? Yeah, it's been good. Um, it's even though it's a little bit different, it's still something that we're all sort of familiar with. And um, <clears throat> I mean, for for me, lucky enough, I can call it a, a job. But for a lot of people and fans, it's sort of it's good to have rugby back. It's something that's sort of going to help them get through that next sort of period um, of of the pandemic. So yeah, it's we're, we're very lucky too to be able to to come back. So I do know that it um, yeah quite lucky but uh yeah that's going well yeah I mean, how, how did you sort of first get involved in in rugby i mean because obviously well by your accent from australia i mean it's it's rugby league's a lot bigger <laughs> yeah. over there i mean what were what your sort of first involvements with the sport yeah well just growing up i mean um my old man's uh, a big fan of rugby league and so i was brought up sort of in a house that was watching it and then uh, i got to the age when I was uh, old enough to sort of actually give it a try as a kid. And then I ended up playing it all the way up until my sort of teens, um, just for the local uh, club. But then, <clears throat> funnily enough, sort of had a, a, a uh, an injury through that, which then sort of led me to my first physio experience. And, and from that um, sort of, yeah, changed, changed the path a little bit of what I wanted to do and, uh, and when I look back at it now, obviously, where I am with the physio side of things is a lot further down the track than I bet my, my rugby league would have been. So I think I made the right decision when I was uh, about 16 to um, yeah, focus on that. And like I said, it's taken me all across the world. And um, But yeah, but been following it yeah, ever since as a kid and still follow it to today. And uh, and that's, that's how I've but yeah, got involved in, in league. Hmm. I mean, so how... You sort of said um, sort of traveling around the world. I mean, what 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 things do you sort of enjoy most about being a physio, other than being sort of a, a fan of the sport? I guess. Uh, I think um, I, like the helping part of things. You know, like if if there is a player or anything that is uh, that does go down, like I mean, being the first person there's always you know for me is exciting. Um, can be daunting, but when you when you've been doing it for years you get better at those certain situations and, and scenarios that, that come to you and so then you enjoy it a bit when uh, when you can be there and, and make a difference to, to someone um, and also you know the access that you get um, being that close to sort of the action and being able to run on all those sort of fields um, like that's just a buzz that you know no fan really can can get unfortunately yeah. so I count myself lucky to be able to do that um, and then obviously the people that you meet, like uh, it's the same sport, but it's played in all these different places. So you get to see, you know, different interpretations of of the sport itself and, and also the athletes and how they uh, um, train and, and how they prepare for games and, and even like the physio in different countries, like um, my colleagues have had in Australia and in England too, just, just their approaches to even just the, the you know the field of physio is um, it's quite interesting and and you learn some stuff that you probably wouldn't have if you just stayed at home or stayed in the one place your whole life so yeah there's 
I sort of love the variety, I suppose. Keeps yeah. it all uh, brand new and enjoyable. Yeah, what have some, been some of the things that you've noticed, I guess, sort of the, the you're saying like, like the different um, attitudes and approaches to the sport? I mean, is, is it coming from Australia and being based in the UK? Did you notice like, yeah, what, what sort of big differences did you notice initially? Um, I think just the f- the first thing you notice is the um, the status of the sport. I think um, coming from Australia, like it's yeah. Well, but I mean both both sides of the world. It's a professional sport with professional athletes playing it, um, and they're full time doing it. But uh, just the the way that the uh, it's sort of brought out to you know, in, like in the media and all that sort of stuff and. Uh, yeah, back home, it's, it's front page stories. If anything was to happen in in the NRL, or and then because of that, it, you know, you got all these different tiers coming down from that um, of all these players pushing to try and make, you know, the starting 13, 17, the twenty man squad for the games. Whereas you come here, and and it, although sort of the north of England has um, has a big spot for rugby league, it's. It's not that sort of universally recognised and, and talked about, and therefore you, I found that you don't have that sort of um, long line of players pushing to make the selection. You've got a bunch of guys who who you know aren't doing it for the fame, aren't doing it for all the other things. They genuinely love the sport, um, and and yeah, they want to get better at it by by being here. Whereas I think you could almost say there's there could be some players back home who probably take that for granted because they've been so lucky with what they've gotten uh and you, you do find some of the the Aussie players that come over here do see that like um the squads aren't as big but they're full of guys that genuinely want to have a dig and and work real hard for it so I do like that uh side of things yeah it's a lot more gritty over yeah. here than uh than back home and how did you end up over here I guess well, yeah, funnily enough, it was it was through Scotland, um, and I can thank uh, Mr. Hogg and uh, all the guys um, behind the scenes there who have got me where I sort of am today. Um, I suppose starting from the start, the the uh, in twenty seventeen, the we had the World Cup in Australia, and and prior to the senior guys coming over, they brought the students over, um, <clears throat> and I was working at the time in. In rugby league with a with a team called the North Sydney Bears, and I had a colleague there who had an affiliation with a local uni, and got approached, I think, by Keith to um, to find a physio to to look after Scotland while they were here, and and yeah, it's an opportunity you you, you don't turn down, and and little did I know that yeah that would lead to to, to working over here, but um, yes, yeah, so I started with them in 2017, uh, and then from that. At the end of the year in October, the the seniors came out for their World Cup, um, and and on the back of that student uh, World Cup, I was lucky enough to be invited to their camp beforehand, um, to just to help out and, and be an extra set of hands, but also to sort of meet some more staff, some more the senior staff, and and from there, I met Dan Ramston. He's the he was the head or he's the head physio um, for Hull Kingston Rovers, and uh, and. Meeting up, meeting him, and then and having a sort of a relationship, sort of over the phone when he came back. Um, after that, a couple of years later, yeah, I managed to get the invitation to come and and have a go in the Super League uh, with him. So, 
like it sort of teared from that. And, and like I say to a lot of people and people that are at or first out of uni, it's you just got to say yes to everything because you never know where it's going to yeah. take you. And and yeah, and like I said, if I didn't, didn't say yes to that original thing, it wouldn't have. Uh, I'd still be uh, back home in in my little cushy job I had. But now, yeah, yeah, I'm actually real happy where I am. So, yeah. uh, uh, when you sort of first came over, um, sort of, I mean, I know that sort of being a physio, I guess, is the same peripheral with the student team and with the professional teams because you know you've got to give the same level of care no matter what but I mean did what sort of notices did differences do you see when I guess you went from the, the student game and sort of like the North Sydney Bears to then being a, a professional team and working with the, you know the Scottish national team yeah well they um there was sort of uh similarities I'd say between the um, the students and, and the team I was with in the North Sydney Bears they were in the uh, reserve grade comp so they were feeding into the NRL so these are part time guys who you know have to make a living during the day to um, uh, working a job studying um, and then do rugby on the outside of it um, so much like yeah they were, so when I came into the student system yeah you've got guys who uh, you know are building a a life or a career outside of rugby and you know they've all they all had their different degrees and it was interesting learning you know what all those guys were studying and then to then come together and play rugby um for the fun of it because like I said it's, it's it wasn't a job for them it was uh because they wanted to do it and and they managed to come to Australia to play it and they loved that um and then you know compare that to then later on the year meeting all the um the senior squad and yeah a lot of them coming from Super League Championship and, and even the NRL, a mixture of all these professionals who have done it for years and um, just the way that, you know, they approached training and camp and, and all that were, were quite different, um, mainly because you got the young kids who hadn't experienced it before. Some thought it was more of a holiday. Some, you mm. could tell, were taking everything in they could. Um and then the, the same with the senior guys, you know, they've they, they've had the whole, they, they would have been playing all year to then come to Australia at the end of the year. They, um, yeah, they they enjoyed it as well. So, um, but like I said, the, yeah, the, I think being a physio in those different teams, uh, I think that probably the younger guys and, and even the reserve guys, um, they don't usually have sort of a, sort of like, or medical staff at their disposal. So to be there to help them, essentially, I think they lapped it up. They loved the fact that there was someone there that was, you know, there for them. Um, whereas when you get to the older or, or the professional guys, it's that expectation that, you've, uh, that you're there for them and they, you need to sort of perform at a certain standard. And um, Yeah, I think that's the main difference uh, with it. But at the end of the day, the treatments you're doing, the... Uh, the strapping you're doing and even just the coverage that you've got to do for the games are exactly the same no matter what team it is. Um, you probably have a bit more resources with the older guys or the professional guys because there's a bit more money in there, but that doesn't stop what you need to do. And we have certain standards that you know, when you're there on the sideline, you need to make sure you have all uh, to protect yourself as well as look after all the players. So, Yeah. I suppose away from the, the sideline, um, cause I, I was watching the 
the Tottenham Hotspur all or nothing thing um, documentary, and it was interesting seeing yeah. like the the when they're interviewing the physios and when it gets to sort of the professional level and having players that are essentially sort of to a certain extent a commodity. It's like they, I suppose there's a there's a pressure when it's the professional game to get them back fit for a certain match. But so from the physios' perspective, um, how do you balance sort of making sure that a player is fully fit, but also being sort of I guess available as quickly as they possibly could be. <clears throat> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, that's always the challenge um, working in sport, as opposed to being a physio or working in the medical industry um, outside with the general population. Is you've got people watching you, um, and sort of expectation from the player, um, from the coach, the owner. Um, and, and other physios too. I mean, everyone likes to sort of see what's going on with other teams and, and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, probably in football, um, I think uh, sort of all the sort of transfers and all the different um, movement of players, you can see them as a commodity. Um, but there's not that much really when it comes to, say, Super League. Um, and like the, with the, like I was saying earlier, with the, with the lack of um, – with the, the academy system sort of now up and running. It's going to sort of start tuning out some younger kids to come and help fill out squads when there's injuries. So that's always another issue too. Is when when the squad starts to dwindle, the numbers go down with injuries. You you have that added expectation or that sort of pressure, not, not so much pressure, but you have you know those um, those eyes sort of watching you, um, just just seeing what you do. Um, but then it com- it just comes down to your sort of rationale as a physio, and and like I said, you want to you obviously you never want to make a player come back earlier than he needs to um, because any sort of re-injury and all that sort of stuff is you know looked quite negligent on your side of things. So it, it, it's a balancing act. If you can justify all the decisions you make, most of the time the coaches and all that are, are quite happy if you can justify why you're doing something and when they come back and. A lot of the times, it's it's through testing and uh, through scans, and and we're quite lucky um, to have that access to all those sorts of facilities and um, and technology to to use. Because then you take them away, and then it, it's you're relying more on your sort of experience and knowledge. So um, yeah, it's like I said, but everyone's trying to push to be back sooner. I know the players want to be back sooner. I think that's the that's the art in it is is being able to know when someone's ready as opposed to when they want to be and when someone else wants them to be ready. Um, so sometimes, yeah, yeah, you're, you're arguing to, to hold someone back or, you know, you, you, you're there sort of not persuading but you're sort of – inspiring the player that they're actually quite they're ready to go and they're actually ready to do it those ones that are a bit nervous about uh, about getting back out in the field so yeah, it's never a dull moment being a physio that's for sure yeah I mean, how, how do you find obviously I guess from the outside the sort of physio job can look like it's the guy that runs on the pitch and sort of fixes someone for, for whatever injury it might be but like behind the scenes um how do you find dealing with, particularly if it's players that have got like a long term or a, a sort of a quite dangerous injury? Because I was thinking about um, like 
um, Mose and Masso. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, what, how involved do you are you in those sort of where it, you know it really is a potentially career-ending injury and trying to bring those sort of players back? But I guess being in the sort of um, you know, sort of mental help that you have to offer as a physio as well. Yeah, yeah, like that's a, that's a big part of it too, which is 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 growing momentum in the game is the mental health of the of the players and and you're sort of at the front line of it when you're sort of treating these guys because they'll put on a brave face for any of the other staff members and coaches and things like that but ultimately most of the time you see them at a quite a vulnerable state and they they tend to put trust in you too when you're spending so much time together so um yeah, I mean, Mossy Masoy at the start of the year, that was such a, that's a, that was a freak incident. Um, and it's one of those injuries that you probably won't see, you know, for, for a number of years. Um, it was just time, place. Um, and yeah, so it, it's definitely not, not something you, um, yeah, you, you, you plan or practice on happening or, or, I mean, we have different procedures we go through each game for the worst case, and this was, you know, almost worse than the worst case. So, um, in those those instances, you you know, we he was sort of straight into the the hands of um, you know specialists uh, and uh, neurological physios and stuff like that in, in hospital. So, you know, when it gets to that extent, um, that's when you know you can hand off to some staff who are better equipped for it. Uh, but when you got the guys who are who are recovering from ACL surgery, which is you know around that nine month recovery mark, um, that's when you're spending a lot more time with them, and and you yeah, it's the stuff that, that yeah that the fans don't see. Um, it's you know it's the day in day out where you know you're just teaching one guy to walk again that you know that or, or run again that they, he hasn't done in months. Um, it's the frustrating part where you know you take one you 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 take a step back after or you're deciding to take a step back after progressing so well um, and yeah so it it's almost like a, a dialogue you have with the player and yourself and it's always there and um, like I said you don't just sort of sit there for nine months wait for it to heal and then go straight back out you you're busy sort of five days a week at training with them and. And usually it's you know early mornings before the team gets there, or afterwards when they leave, when you can spend your, you can dedicate your time with them, and um, and it's a credit to all those guys that, that do make it back because they know that they've sort of gone through a grueling period of time where all they want to do is play, um, and you're sort of yeah, like I said, teaching them how to land again or take off or or tackle again, that sort of thing. So, I mean, is is sort of those um i guess sport specific like you know rugby specific um movements you wouldn't have to do does it does it do you find it helps that you've sort of been been a player and sort of are a fan of the sport as well i think if you if you chat to any of my colleagues i think they'll uh they'll say that it's not um there's a few times you're on the sideline where i'll, I'll yell out accidentally or uh, at the ref or something like that just uh, that side of me comes out every now and then and I think it's important to sort of appreciate that you know like we're never going to be in that position or for, forever I mean especially sports and job no sorry uh, jobs in sport um, 
it's never a sure thing and, and, and they do come and go and I've learnt that from from um, people that I've worked with in the past and it is important every now and then to stop and just appreciate sort of where you are working and, and enjoy it uh, while it is there. And um, But when it comes to the physio side, thing, I think understanding, you know, what what um, uh, what the player needs to go through will help with your rehab. You tend to work backwards and you look at what a player needs to get back into, um, distances they need to cover te- or, you know, movement movement patterns they need to be and then then you sort of work back from there and how you're going to reintegrate um, them at different at periods of time but uh, you've also got um, some great well I know we've got some great sort of um, staff that can help you in that you know we've got the coaches uh, a lot of them are ex-players and and they know exactly what a player needs to do on the field um, and you've got your, your strength and conditioners they know exactly um, you know what 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 sort of speeds they need to be at distances they need to cover um, so you work as a team yeah it's not it's not yeah specifically sort of just the physio um, hmm. going through that whole process alone uh, and that's important I think uh, I, I think probably early on you have the majority of when they're in the healing phase you, you spend most of your time with them and I think maybe understanding the sport, you can try and integrate them. Maybe, you know, like if it's a, a lower limb injury, getting him in there just to pass the ball around because you know exactly what that means to the player, both, you know, emotionally and mentally, to be able to still have his hands on the ball and, and be amongst the team wherever he can, even though he's not running or moving. I think that's probably more, uh, uh, a big part to to do. And if, you, if yeah, and maybe if you've had experience in rugby and you... And you know that that's important. That's that's where your experience can come into play. But like I said you got a you got a whole whole team, and and same with yeah, when you do these camps with Scotland. Um, you know you've got all these um, really uh, well equipped staff that that have played in their in their day. Um, I know now with with Nathan Graham, and, and even in the past with um, with. Chris Chester and John Duffy, they're all guys who've just they're storytellers, they're so they they've played they they've got wonderful sort of uh, insight to what a player needs to do. So yeah, it's always good to have a chat with them too and it sort of can help guide your your treatment as well as your preparation for these players that are coming back. So mm. yeah. So it's, it's 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 interesting we sort of as a as a fan, like it's it's um a side of the sport that you sometimes don't see because I suppose you can it's like the headline could be oh so and so is ruled out for 12 weeks or whatever it might be and you sort of yeah it's I guess easy to assume it's just oh well in 12 weeks they'll be fully fit but there's like a lot of um yeah process that goes into it yeah I mean and that's the thing that everyone wants to know a number uh when something happens it's almost like they forget that there's a person that's going through a trauma at the moment it's just like oh, how long what's the date when we're coming back that sort of thing probably more as the fans I think the coaches and the staff know because they've been through it a bit more that it actually there's a lot more to it but and, and I appreciate it too I've been a fan uh, and especially when you've when you want your team to go well and they're a crucial player you want to know how, you know how long until they come back that sort of thing but uh, this day and age with all social media that's that sort of things I've seen a few players 
you know, post and, and get, give the fans a bit of an insight to their journey. And I think that's important too um, because, yeah, it, it, it just shows you, you know, how hard it is to actually get back on the field and then back to a peak performance that they were known for prior. And that's that's why it's not good to sort of just quit, quit make quick judgments on players when they, you don't know sort of what, what they've gone through. But it also means a lot for us to... Um, to make sure that we're doing all the steps right and we're not just rushing it back to because that you know a textbook says that something you know a certain injury takes this long or, or whatnot it's it's important to listen to the the player too and like I said if he's not ticking all the boxes and all the tests that you're doing um, you know sometimes you need to wait another week and, and I think that's an important part too as a physio especially in sport is to be able to justify when you can bring someone back early and when you can when you need to sort of hold them back another week. So it's more than just the number. And I suppose for for you, do you get sort of a sense of satisfaction if a player has been out for 10 weeks, comes back and then has a whole year without getting injured? So that's sort of a, you know, a, a obviously a good thing for you. Yeah, I mean, it is, it, it, it is in a way. Um, I think it's satisfying when you... When you when you've spent so much time with a player, um, and then you see them back on the field because that whole you've been through that 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 um, journey with them, the ups and the downs, and you know that they'll they'll do anything they can to get out there and and um, yeah, I mean it's always good and and if you can see them succeed on the field too, like um, it definitely sort of reinstates why, or if, especially for me if if you know that's that's the reason. I'm doing what I'm what I'm doing, and that's why I love this job. For all the times that it's challenging and and stressful, uh, it's those times that you that make you realise that you know that's what that's why you love what you do. And um, and I think and I think with the whole sort of staying not staying injured once again, that's that's a big team effort. That's that's all your your coaches as well as your, your strength coaches as well, because you know. It, it's it's all well and good that we we sort of pick up the you know we we we're there for when the injured boys come to us. It's there's a lot of stuff that goes into you know designing training sessions to make sure they're not overdoing it, um, preparing them for each session with prehab and and loading in the gym so that their their muscles and tissue can can tolerate what they do on the field, and obviously getting stronger too so that they're able to withstand heavy contacts and stuff like that. Um, I think you got to need to, you need to look at the whole staff um, in that respect, and if you've got a team that that you know has low numbers when it comes to injuries, um, you definitely can't sort of pinpoint mm. one department or anything like that. That's for sure. Um, and same with the rehab too. Like I said, we, you know, when you bring someone back, you know, physios are there from the from the start. Normally, when it comes to sort of healing, and there's a certain part of the the journey when the healing stops and the loading needs to start and that's, you know, where the, the guys in the gym and, and the conditioners on the field come into shine. So I think yeah, I think it's I think we all and we all know that too. We all get excited when one of the one of the players who's been there long term makes his comeback and, and yeah, and if you can score a try or something like that, we all like to high five each other and um, mm. and that's when we sell that's when we celebrate a bit more than than normal when we can get that little um, success on the field for that individual. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, talking of the sort of preparation there, um, I mean, talk about sort of lockdown and and COVID kind of things. But how how uh, sort of as a team did you find keeping players fit during lockdown? Because I think one of the things that is, I think you see on Twitter all the time, people say, oh, how are these, do these athletes need a rest? They had three months off. When actually, I suppose, you, yeah. were you sort of preparing them to be back within, you know, feasibly, could have been any week? I mean, how, how did you find that as a team and individually? Yeah, like that's, that's again, that, you know, that's the whole theme of 2020 is just these, just these situations, circumstances you can't really prepare yourself for. And I think we did pretty well. Um, it was hard because as staff we were furloughed, so we, we were not to sort of work as such. Um, we had a couple of players who had surgery prior to lockdown. So, I mean, uh, we had our, we had certain staff members that were, you know, keeping up to date with uh, with them when it comes to rehab. That was important that they kept rehabbing during the break while we weren't there in order to be back ready when it was on. Um, but, yeah, like the hardest thing was not knowing, um, not seeing the light uh, at the end of the tunnel because it kept getting pushed back, especially with the return of sport and, and gatherings and stuff like that. So, um Early on, there was a lot of chat sort of on the group chats and, and players, you know, doing home workouts and, and talking to us, not us going to them to find out different things they could do and things they could work on. And that was good. Um, you know, we were quite lucky. We've got the facilities to, to help out the, the, the players and a lot of them took home, you know, weights, uh, watt bikes, uh, rowers, mm. that sort of thing from, from work to home. Um, and, and and kept you know kept up their routine that they they were used to and um, and, it, and it made a difference too. I mean, um, coming back seeing all the guys in the shape they were in, we were yeah, we were quite happy with and quite surprised how everyone sort of did. Uh, but even then, it, you still need to be able to make sure that you slowly transition them into the types of loads they need for rugby uh, for games, not just throwing them in and going back to where you left off. Um, so that was where then we came back in and we're back working is, you know, keeping an eye on all of them because that's when you're going to get your injuries and, um, and and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think, like I said, it, during lockdown, it was more just keeping in touch with everyone, making sure they're all in the right headspace and looking out for those that weren't um, and answering the questions that a lot of them had um, and, and if they wanted to yeah, work on something they probably didn't have the time for before, then, yeah, they, we were there to help them out. Um, if they came to us, like I said, we, you know, it was a difficult situation being on furlough. Uh, but it also helped us too. I know, you know, like I said the first few weeks, uh, we sort of were trying to trend, like get used to this new sort of uh, time off and, and relax a little bit when you could. But um, But by the end of it, by, you know, month three, month four, it was, you know, it was great to hear from the players and actually chat to them and talk about when we were coming back and things like that. But uh, but also preparing them for what the new norm uh, was going to be like at training because yeah, there were some few changes. That's for sure. Yeah. What um, what have been some of the changes since you've come back? Well, the big thing for us um, being sort of at that, f- you know, being on the the first point of contact a lot of the time with the players and being up close when you treat and when you assess 
for us, it's all the PPE, and that's that's the important part because we're yeah we're the front line in that you know players come to us, we look, we're we're literally touching them and and getting into that close proximity where you know the virus could spread. Um, mm. So we're you know we're we're there with uh, with gloves, gown, face shield, um, and you might and on game days too, running out with all of those on, and we've got. Uh, goggles too to protect the eyes and um, that's just become the new norm and that took a while to get used to but it's just something you have to do now and, and mm. it's only now that you look back and realise how close you know as a physio you get to all these players and then you know then then you, you're treating someone else and all that sort of stuff so although you know hygiene wise that's also a part of your, your profession is to be very clean with your surfaces and, and your hands that hasn't changed it's just been reinforced, and, and and wearing the PPE on top of that is is just a reminder that yeah that it's how quickly it can all spread. Um, initially, we oh, we still need to in some instances is keep the players you know at distance from each other, which was quite hard when it comes to training, especially with the team. So we needed to break break them up into smaller groups, um, do as much training outside as you could. So you weren't sort of confining them into spaces and, and in the gym too, making sure that they were far apart. So we actually spread them into different groups and we it was more of a longer day because we were they all weren't training together. But they were still doing stuff and, and that was great. And we do sort of wellness checks in the morning, um, send them a questionnaire and if they've got any symptoms, we just leave them at home. Mm. Um, and if they do come, then we were checking their temperature before they get out of their car. So once again, full PPE up. I'm in the car park there with a thermometer. They're reading their temperatures, and once if they're in the correct zone, um, temperature-wise, and they can come in. So it's yeah, it's a new. It's not as as relaxing as it used to be. Um, you do have to keep. You have to be vigilant with with things because you know, as you probably can tell in the news, there's there's positive cases coming from all different clubs. Um, so we also need to sort of track and trace, you know, who's who's been in close proximity to other players during the day, um, and they're using the technology like the GPS um, units in their vests to uh, to track if someone has come into close contact with someone who's been positive and vice versa, and it works back from that. So, um, but I think the big change is also is is getting the the COVID testing once a week. Uh, in some instances, twice a week. Um, that's something that yeah, I was, you know, it's been a couple of weeks now in, and we're still not used to that. Um, having someone put a cotton bud or a, a tester down your throat and in your nose, it, it never gets. Uh, you can never get used to that. So, but yeah, but th- yeah, it, even though it is challenging, uh, I think the boys know that it needs to be done so they can be there and play rugby. Otherwise, if not. You know, we're right back at home where we were before, and they've taken it on, and they've uh, and they're rolling with it. And yeah, like I said, it comes back to the the love of the game, and you do anything to, to get back out there, and and we, and they have, and yeah. Hmm. I mean, you touched on it there, but um, with well, I mean, one of the things that I've noticed is obviously with with the um, positive tests in clubs, sort of games have have having to be cancelled and. Sort of rescheduled at sort of quite short notice. Um, so sort of when you're preparing players, do you have to take it into account that 
you know a game could be cancelled last minute because I suppose sort of the the training and sort of I guess preparing people would differ if you were going to be having a match or not. I mean, is that something that you've had to deal with? Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's been quite interesting. That and that's that's the nightmare for uh, for the scheduling is that unfortunately now the RFL is sort of saying that um, every team needs to be ready if they've got a buy one week and, and now that Toronto's left the competition there is a buy uh, now in play and if you were to have that that week you, you sort of got to be on standby in case something happens during the week and we've seen that already with I think Cass they had to uh, they, they had to turn around and play a game on uh, a couple of days after finding out that um, uh, their opponent had some positive cases so um, but once again it's you know it's all for the good of the game that We've had all this time off, and and I think the boys know that too. That I think the we need to finish finish the comp first, uh, first and foremost. And if the scheduling keeps changing, it, you just need to adapt to it. Um, I mean, at KR, we we had one game. Uh, I think the first week back, um, last yeah, first week of September, last weekend of August. Uh, oh no, uh, around no earlier than that. Sorry. Um, but we had that first game, um, and then we had another two weeks off after that. You know, and it was it was hard because you wanted to keep them motivated and keep them playing, and then to have a couple of weeks off to then go back and then almost play. Like last week, we had a game uh, on on Sunday, and then straight into Thursday. So so small turnarounds, and and from what we're hearing uh, at the back end of the year, when the crowds can come back, they're looking at you know twice a week games potentially, and yeah, it. This is when you use all all your squad members. This is when all your preparation, all your recovery techniques come into play, and it's all things that players are used to. Um, it's not new. I know that in the Super League, they used to play the um, around Easter time, having two games in in quick succession, and uh, it's not ideal. But you know, we're, we're back playing, and we're very grateful that we're allowed to be, and and we have the ability to. So. You, you you work around it and we've already started to use the depth of the squad by changing the teams with the short, short turnaround and it seems to be working. So, yeah, but we never know. This is a very unique situation, unique season and I think everyone's going to learn from it. So we'll wait and see at the end of the year what we all, what we all think. I suppose, I suppose the thing from it, whole KR fans perspective as well is that they're playing quite nice rugby so you probably wouldn't mind watching them twice in a week <laughs> well yeah I mean it's yeah well I think the, the coach has taken advantage of the situation and um and trying to play some expansive uh rugby and it's paying off so yeah we'll keep going with what's uh, what we've been doing I mean there are two two Scottish players at Hull, I mean, have you have you spoken to, to Ryan and Kane about next year's World Cup at all? Oh yeah, like uh, I, that's one thing that you have that sort of bond um, uh, with those guys, and and when we come up against any um, you know Scotland players uh, in the opposition teams, it's a good bond to have and and to say hi hey to them and uh, and and chat. Um, they're both keen. Uh, I know Ryan definitely loves sort of being on the field and, and representing Scotland. 
Um, and I know Kane, he definitely wants to have one last hurrah. And I think the World Cup's going to be his time to do that. And he's very keen to, to do it. And to have it in, in England um, makes it all e- easier for those two guys too. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, no, they're very keen to, to for the World Cup. And to be up there in Newcastle, it's going to be... Um, a nice sort of adventure for for most of us and whoever comes over from Australia and the other countries too uh, to play for Scotland. It's um, it's exciting, yeah. I mean, sort of, I suppose elephant in the room. Are you going to have to put aside your your roots for the Australia game? This is yeah. That'll that'll test me. But no, I. Uh, it's um, going to be surreal as it is for any. Player to to come up against you know uh, the reigning world champions and and a team a powerhouse as you know uh, Australia is and, and the players and the caliber of players there too um, that'll, that'll be something I'll never never forget that's for sure uh, but definitely we'll be singing uh, the Scottish anthem at the start that's for sure oh, that's that's good to know um, <laughs> well thank you so much for taking the, the time out to do this. I think it's been really interesting for me personally as well, sort of to get the a bit of an insight into what it's been like sort of coming back, but also sort of generally how it's been dealing with sort of being a physio for professional athletes. No, thank you very much for, for uh, inviting me on. And it's always interesting to sort of, yeah, to, to, to chat um, in this industry. Like it's, Especially for people that aren't um, that that aren't physios, I do love sort of telling them, uh, giving a bit of insight to, to what I get to call a job, and and hopefully, yeah, it shows that um, I'm definitely not, not not taking it for granted. It's um, t- it's a blessing to be where I am, and and I can't, you know, looking back, I, I wrote down all um, the different times I've I've been with Scotland, and to trace it all the way back to that first time, and to see how, you know, just taking up an opportunity when it came. Uh, led me to where I am today and forever grateful for, for Scotland for opening those doors for me so uh, thank you